One's from the trailer park, one's from the farm. Rings on their fingers, no babies on their arms. Taking life with a grain of salt and lime. Living, loving, laughing, we're having a good time. Nothing too deep won't tell you how to vote. Two stand up comics with stories from the road. We're cutting up, really. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dusty Slay, and I'm here with my co-host, Hannah Hogan. Hello, hello. And we just got straight up out of bed and started doing this podcast, and Hannah's pumped. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, we got a little behind yesterday. I had a bunch of things to do. And to be honest with you, we're a little lost, you know. We're uh, week 11 here, and uh, we had a 10-part series on how to become a comic. And where do you go from here? Well, week 11 is where we go. Week 11, season 2. We have stuff to talk about, but yeah, I mean, we're a little lost with it. So um, let's just get right into it. Where we've been, where we're going. Where they going. Where they been. Where they going? Where, where they been? Where we're going? Where we've been? Well, where we've been is very exciting. Uh, we, uh, I'm going to get into it in the on the road segment because I'm still trying to make that segment something. But we, uh, I went to Colorado and did a bunch of shows, and I took my nephew Anthony with me. Um, and your nephew's 27 years My old. nephew's 27, yeah. I don't want it to seem like he's a very young child. I mean, he's a, <laughs> yeah. he's a grown man, and he uh, wanted to go to Colorado, you know, for some reason. And uh, we went out there, and we experienced it. And uh, we had a good time. And now, uh, so I'm going to get into I'm going to do a deep dive into the Colorado trip on the on-the-road segment. But Colorado's where I've been. Uh, Denver, Salida. Boulder and Greeley. What about you, Hannah? Where were you? Well, I had myself a comedy weekend as well. Um, not in the truest sense. I wasn't performing comedy. Um, but the last couple months, I have been helping Bill Adams at The Grove in Lowell, Arkansas, produce a comedy competition. And I've been working with him since about June or so. And we produced this comedy competition called... The Funniest Comedian in the Heartland. And that took place this past weekend. So I, you know, went out there um, on Wednesday. And the competition was only Friday and Saturday, but I went, went out there on Wednesday to help him get it going. And I don't know, Dusty, do you want me to talk about this in this segment or? Yeah, let's wait. Okay. Went to Lowell, Arkansas. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So then, uh, what a great place. I always enjoy going there. I always have a good time there. And then... Um, where I'm going, I'm going to Albany, New York, to the Funny Bone. I'm very excited about it. I went there uh, a few years ago and opened for Ryan Hamilton. Actually, this club, I did the soft open. The hard open was the next week, but me and Ryan Hamilton uh, did the soft open. And it's, I'm very excited to be back as a headliner now. 
these clubs, the Funny Bones. Uh, I was it was working so hard to get back in to feature again. I was like, just let me feature, let me feature, let me feature, and then all of a sudden, boom! I'm coming back in as the headliner. So it feels good. I'm excited to go there. I liked Albany. That's where me and Hannah walked around, uh, walked around some campus and got lunch in the cafeteria of the school campus. Oh yeah. And, uh, and then, later on, Ryan Hamilton bought us uh, all steak dinner. Yeah, I remember saying, wow, Ryan, this is so kind of you to buy us all steaks. And he's like, well, I just had a very generous corporate gig. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Who, Herberger was the guy who opened, uh, uh, hosted, and I cannot think of his first name right now, but... Uh, Isn't it like Ryan or Brian? Brian Herberger, yes. Yeah. Is it Herberger? Yeah, I think it's Brian. Yeah, I liked him. I actually saw him in Raleigh uh, a little while back. It's been a while since that since that happened too. But yeah, Brian Herberger. Because anytime I try to type Hedberg into my phone, my phone will autocorrect to Herberger. So that's where we've been, where we're going, and that's very exciting. And let's jump right into the on the road uh, segment. They're on the road again. Ken and Dusty are on the road again Telling super funny jokes to all their friends Ken and Dusty are on the road again Yeah. Uh, so that we can do a deep dive into these things that we've done. Would you like to go first about the competition? Sure. Okay, because uh, I'm very excited to hear uh, some details of the competition. I mean, it's uh, any time there's a competition... There's going to be, you know, I feel like there's going to be some controversy. There's going to be some winners. There's going to be some losers. There's going to be uh, excitement and um, also disappointment. Absolutely. And I've participated in lots of different competitions in, in comedy over the years. Um, and I think that uh, I could see myself in, in every comedian this weekend, um, except for the grand total winners. I've never really won something like that but um so i'll just break it down real quick so it was uh, a two-night event friday and saturday four shows in total and we actually divided the winners by men and women so three women won and three men won um so for the first night of the shows um it was just women versus women men versus men and then the second night was wild card in the finals. So it was all kind of packed into one. And we had about 28 comedians, or 27 comedians. So because there was only so many people that went to the finals, uh, 12 people that ended up going to the finals, there were quite a few comedians that were great and just didn't get to go to the finals. And so that's disappointing. And I think... You know, they. I could tell that some of them were pretty crestfallen about it, and um, but I tried to have the judging be as democratic as possible. So we had three judges scoring comedians out of a total of sixty, and then we also had an audience vote. So I would combine the audience votes with the judge votes. Um, so. Sometimes I would be reading the the votes from the audience and the judges and be like, really? You thought that person was funny? Wow, that's crazy. Um, But at the end, it it really seemed like the audience and the judges agreed on most people. 
Um, and some people didn't move forward with, you know, very small differentials. Um, so w- what I thought was most interesting, though, um, and that I re- what I really took from the weekend was um, just observing how different people handle rejection and um, their pride, basically, because I don't believe anybody likes losing. I don't think it makes anyone feel good. I don't like losing. It doesn't even... It doesn't make me feel good. Yeah, it doesn't feel good even if you know you had a good set, but you still don't move forward or win something. You know, I think it's probably even more painful in that instance because you you know you did great and maybe you think in your head you did better than someone else. And com- I always think that. Comedy is so objective that, you know, it's, 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 it's hard. Um... But I thought that everybody who stayed at the competition um, handled themselves with a lot of grace and um, professionalism. And uh, anybody that's listening to this, uh, thank you. Because I know we have a lot of listeners. People told me that um, they submitted to the festival because they heard me talking about it on here. So that's cool. Um, but, yeah, I really learned how different people handle that. And I, and I just want to say, you know, to... To anybody listening, um, you know, how you carry yourself when you lose is so um, telling to, to the kind of character you are. You know, it's like you don't have to stick around and hang out after, you know, you've lost. You know, you don't have to. But I think that you give yourself way more opportunity for other things positive things to happen for you, even if you're not winning, you know, there's a lot of, there was a lot of people who got work out of this weekend, but they didn't even place in the finals. I think that there was a few people that made some good connections with other comedians and potentially got booked on shows in other cities. And I think just in general, challenging yourself to see it through to the end is, um, a good uh, a good thing for your for your personal character, and also it can really yeah. I mean to to that point, it can really help if you're um, you know if you lose, but you force yourself to hang out around people, even after losing. It it just builds thicker skin. I mean nobody likes that. I mean I did the Laughing Skull Festival two years in a row in in two thousand. Uh, 15 and 16 I think and I didn't even make it to the second round in any of those the first time you only had it was one elimination round the second time it was two elimination rounds even in two elimination rounds I didn't make it out of the first round and it was a bummer I hated it but I still went to the parties and I still hung around and I still talked to people and uh, you know you forget about the losses when you finally start winning yeah, and that's why I said I saw myself in people because um, I also did the Laughing Skull of twice, and I wasn't winning. And I'm not really a partier anyways, but I'm sure I would have been more likely to go hang out at the after parties if I had have, you know, been winning. But I didn't, and I went home, you know, as soon as I had to. Um, and... Now that I see it from an outside perspective, I realize, you know, I, I really lost so much opportunity to, to meet people and to talk to to talk to people. Because as a producer, I know that I don't value um, 
you know, how people are doing in, in the judgment, you know, of, of audience and, and judges. I value what I see on stage. And just because people weren't um, winning uh, in the top four doesn't mean I don't think that they're a great comedian. In some cases, I'm like, yeah, that guy totally got robbed. Or, yeah, that girl, really, I don't understand how she didn't place. That's really weird, you know? Um so I, it was a really good lesson for me to just be like, okay, yeah, don't be a baby, toughen up and hang out all weekend. And there was a, there was a, I'm thinking of like three or four comics that I'm sure were pretty frustrated with how it went for them and probably thought they deserved a little bit of money. And I think I agree with them, but, um, you know, the judges, we counted it honestly, the audience, you know, and the judges saw things a certain way. And, but I am appreciative of those comics who just were consummate professionals and um you know made it made it as worthwhile as for themselves as they could so but um also to bill um the owner at the grove uh you know he was so generous he gave people you know free food every day gave him pretty much any comedian that wanted it a good deal on a hotel and and um, i think that he was really happy with the turnout and i and i hope that he was able to kind of scout some comedians that he can bring back to his club yeah, I think it was great, and also Hannah said that a lot of people that listen to the podcast uh, uh, entered the contest, so I appreciate it. I think Bill's a great dude. I mean, I love going to that club, and so I I think that even if you don't win and you get work out of it, that's great because over time, that work that you get will be more money than what you would win off the contest. I mean, obviously, it's better to win the contest and get work, but... It's all about getting the work because you need the stage time if you're new in comedy or or at any stage. You need stage time. That's the most important thing. So uh, I'm glad that was a success. And I will also say that I noticed um, that the comedians that didn't win, uh, didn't go forward on the Friday night shows when they got their second chance on Saturday, all of them stepped it up. Nobody kind of cowered and, you know, let, you know, let their their confidence be shot. Everybody stepped it up and, and tried even harder to get that last kind of into the, to the finals. And I thought that was really cool to see people rise to the challenge. Yeah. Most people, most people did. All right. So then I went to Colorado, right? I went to Colorado, my nephew, Anthony, uh, who's 27. Uh, you know, he lives like me. He grew up in the same town as me, went to the same school as me around the same family as me. But as uh, I left at 21, and he's still hanging around at 27, and uh, uh, he he had never been. He just had you know uh, some complications at an, at his old job, and so he had a, he had some time off. And I was like, he said, I want to move to Denver, and I was like, Hey, I'm about to go to Denver, and. He wants to go to Denver, you know, for obvious reasons. And uh, so nature, right? Right, right. <laughs> so we got on a plane and we flew out to Denver. He'd never been on a plane before. And we flew out there and I went to Comedy Works South, did a show there, which was really a lot of fun. Incredible. Brad Williams was on the show with me, John Novosad. Uh, and, um, and it was pretty awesome. The show went great. I loved it. And then Anthony saw all these people buying T-shirts from me after the show, and he's like, I want to sell T-shirts. I like that he went to a comedy show and wasn't like, I want to do comedy. He's like, no, no, no. I just want to get in on the money-making part of this. (laughs) But I dig it. 
so I've been, um, you know, we've been trying to come up with some creative ideas and try to try to get him some creative stimulation going. And then we went the next day. We went to uh, Salida, Colorado, and I did a I uh, did a theater there, and then uh, which was a lot of fun. Salida is a beautiful little town. It's you, you drive. It's three hours from south of Denver, and you drive way out there in the mountains. And on the way back, the whole way, there was a river that ran beside the road in the mountains. Just amazing. And you get out there, and you're just surrounded by mountains. And it's just a nice town. I mean, you could – there's a grocery store. There's there's businesses. There's restaurants. I mean, you could park your car there. You could buy a house there, park your car, and never leave. And there was a – I love that that's where your mind goes. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I could just be, like, a vagrant if I wanted to. Yeah, but, I mean, if you, you buy a house out there, uh-huh. you just could live there. I mean, I guess you got to have a job, so you'd have to go somewhere to work. But I, I, but there was a, you know, it was just deer out there. We went to a dispensary, and when we came out, there were two deer there in the parking lot. It was one deer, and we were looking at it, filming it, getting close to it, and then another deer comes up. And then another deer, and then a fourth deer just came up in the parking lot. That's a beautiful moment. Majestic place. Mm. We stayed at a place that clearly used to be like an old raggedy hotel, but they had put a lot of work into the aesthetics of it. Like they had deer heads and stuff hanging all over the wall, and they had a wood paneling. I got some pictures. I got a Colorado video coming, and I may work on that today. And uh, we just woke right right up. We didn't have coffee. I'm doing a a detox now, trying to get my jumpstart my digestive system. And uh, and I'm a little spaced out. Like I feel like I've just woke up and have had no stimulation. But then I went from there to Boulder, Colorado, which I've been to Boulder before. I had a great time. Did a new venue. Did two shows. Really fun. First show was sold out. Really great. I sold really well at all these shows, but I had this show was sold out, and I uh, had to direct people to the second show that night, and it just a real blast. My friend David Rodriguez opened for me uh, on that show. Um, oh, and my uh, Talon Saucerman was my opener in uh, Salida, and we had a lot of fun. And but David, I had done Just for Laughs, New Faces with, and he was opening for me, so he's very good, and. Uh, and I'm like, well, this guy, he's he's good. Like I, I don't necessarily want him opening for me. You know what I mean? Like he's <laughs> he's real good. And but we had a great time. And then uh, we went out to Greeley, which is a farming community out in Colorado. And out there, I um, yeah, had a great set. Did more of a corporate show. Really fun, packed place. I said it was the most amount of people they've ever had at their event. And it was really great. And then uh, my friend Apples came out to hang with me i went to his house he was living in an rv for a while now he's living in a house so i'm happy for him he has a basement where he put a comedy club called the comedy ranch seems very fun and that's your dream destiny i know and then i also saw my friend t mike uh, who i haven't seen in in a while we used to run your friends are characters from 1970s (laughs) yeah we used to run uh um Big Gun Burger together, and then I saw Brooke Reynolds, uh, who I went to high school with, and her husband, Scott. Uh, They came to a show, and then I went to lunch with them, and then Scott walked me around Denver. But 
In case I have any Opelika listeners, Brooke Reynolds uh, went to Opelika High School with us. She was a 2001 graduate, not a class of 2000 graduate, but uh, still very close. And uh, that was fun. Just a great trip all around. I got to see a lot of people I haven't seen in a while. And, uh, oh, I also saw uh, Erica Chambers and her mom, who used to live in Nashville. They popped up at my show all of a sudden. That's pretty fun. I forgot all about that. I don't know who that is. Who's Erica Chambers? Uh, is she, she a comedian? Yeah, she used to run a show. Uh, it was a clean open mic. I don't know. People would know her. I don't know how to. All right. Anyway, it's okay. And um, so, and and me and Anthony just had a great time. Me and my nephew have always had a bit of a, uh, we've had a rough relationship. He's 10 years younger than me. I left, um... Alabama when he was 11 right we were very close up until that point but I left when he was 11 and then we've had a rough relationship like he gets mad at me and will disappear you know and I've been a little rough on him because I've been trying to push him you know I'm trying to push him I want to see him do cool things well what I've learned is that Dusty's family the the descriptive word that they often use to describe Dusty is he's stubborn yeah, I mean, everybody thinks I'm so stubborn, but all I'm trying to do is help people live better lives. And uh, I'm just trying to show people a different way. But I am a bit stubborn, and that's okay. I think it's okay to be a little stubborn. Yeah. And um, I just, uh, but we had a great time. And, you know, it was weird. I left, my, I had a show on Tuesday here, and uh, which I'll talk about, but I had a show Tuesday, and... Uh, you know, I left, and Anthony wasn't with me. That was the first show that uh, I had left in four or five days that Anthony wasn't with me. Yeah, you said you missed him. Yeah, and uh, so it's fun. You know, it's fun. I don't I don't get to, you know, hang around with family a bunch, and, you know, we, me and him have never done a trip like that. So it was great. I mean, we did – we get a lot of experience. How about a little food on the road? I said food on the road. Food on the road. Me and Anthony had um, – uh, his first Greek food together, <laughs> and then his first Cambodian food together. Maybe my first Cambodian food. I'm debating whether it was actually Cambodian food or if it was just some restaurant trying to label themselves that. I had pho, and he had basically fried rice. What did the white staff look like? I had, like hippies. Like white people, though? Yeah. Okay. But there was, uh, like, a what I would think Cambodian uh, children look like. Okay. Came in there. Oh, okay. Uh, with their dad, who was a white guy, and they said that their mom was from Cambodia. Okay. So, All right. but I didn't see the mom. Yeah. So, but it was a great place. I mean, I loved it. Salida, I really, I mean, I loved it all, but Salida was like a little quaint little town out there in Colorado. I still want to move to Butte, Montana, but uh, but I like Salida a lot. I think it's too hack to move to Colorado. Yeah? Yeah, it's just like, yeah, I moved to Colorado. Well. Mountains and weed. <laughs> well, Denver, yes. But uh, Salida, I mean, that's a special place. And then, uh, oh, I, I wrote steaks up there because Hannah said that Bill fed everybody a steak dinner after, after the contest was over. Yeah. Which I thought was very nice. And that's all part of it, too. You know, it's all part of hanging out. You hang out with the owner. Even if this is one owner of one club in one city and you think at the end of the day it doesn't amount to much. I'll tell you something. There's one club that probably never will book me 
and uh, because we had you know some email exchanges one time and uh, as much as I want to say I don't care I don't want to even go to that club I do care it bothers me it bothers me that I have one club that I feel like never wants to book me and uh, and so I don't know I just think it should bother everyone I think everyone should want to do all the clubs I think you should want to be liked by all club owners and you know and you never know what where someone's going to be in the future I mean it's like when I worked at uh, when I sold pesticides, it would be like I would walk into a Lowe's. There would be like you know a person that worked on the aisle, and they wouldn't be very nice to me. So I'd be like, "Well, I'm going to be rude to them too because you know what? They don't have any power in this store. It's not worth it for me to be nice to them." And then the next day, I go in, and now they're the, the department manager, and now I'm like trying to suck up to them again because now I need them. And then they move up to zone manager, assistant manager. Now they're a store manager, and they're running a whole store. And I'm like, dang, I wish I'd have just been nice to them when they were rude to me, you know? Yeah. So you just kind of practice being kind and professional yeah. with everyone. You don't have to worry about getting in that spot. Right. But sometimes people upset you, you know? And I yeah. think that's the challenge is not uh, upsetting people even when they uh, deserve to be upset. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know if it makes sense. Who knows? But the point is, just be nice, and people are going to upset you. But that that is part of what I want to talk about with uh, the thing, because I want to keep the comedy thing going. I mean, I love talking about comedy. I've really enjoyed writing these things. I wrote another thing that I feel good about. Um, before we get into that, though, I still have food on the road. I am starting a 15-day detox today where I'm not going to have coffee. I mean, you know, the thing about it is I really, I cut out coffee for a while and then I got back into it and now I don't want to give it up. And uh, so I'm going to do 15 days, no coffee, but meat, I am eating meat again. So that's a celebration. Praise God. I am eating meat. I'm eating beef. I'm eating chicken, mainly beef. I love it. I'm just... I had a steak yesterday. I had a steak the day before. No, you had spaghetti bolognese yesterday. I had that and a steak. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You did have both. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I've got my food allergy test came back, and this is what my food allergy test said that I'm allergic to. Uh, I am allergic to the, starting with the heaviest thing. The thing that I'm allergic to the most is egg yolks. And I've been defending egg yolks for I don't know how long, but apparently it's uh, I can't eat them. So, and the next on the list is whole wheat. I'm allergic to, which, to be honest with you, I've known bread's bad for a long time. Uh, and then a squash mix, but I'm told that the squash mix is much deeper than than what I initially read. I thought, oh, squash. I do like squash. I eat quite a bit of it. But not that big of a deal. But then I got a detailed breakdown of a squash mix that I'm just looking up real quick uh, just to read off here. I don't know if anybody cares about this, but it is. Um, oh, that's not it. Dang. Sorry. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah, I'm just looking it up. Here we go. Um, squash mix. Cantaloupe. Cassaba, Crenshaw, Cucumber, Gherkin, Honeydew Melon, I guess Persian Melon, and Watermelon. 
And the things that really hurt me there are honeydew melon, watermelon, cantaloupe, and cucumber. I you don't eat even, so much watermelon. Yeah, I don't even know what the other things are. But they're not saying – he said avoid this to four to six weeks. Don't, don't have to cut it out altogether. Avoid it for now and then start adding it back in and see if, see if you – and then squash of all kinds and zucchini, which is unfortunate. That's the saddest part. We were getting into the squash game this year. Right, because the blood type diet had me not eating potatoes. So squash is actually a good replacement for sweet potatoes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the thing that I'm least allergic to but still enough to avoid is cow's milk, which I haven't been drinking cow's milk in a long time. Uh, Wheat gluten. So apparently I'm allergic to gluten. So all that time I spent making fun of gluten-free people when I worked in a restaurant has come back to bite me. Pineapple. Which is a shame because that means I've lost cantaloupe, honeydew melon, watermelon, and pineapple. And mushroom, which I don't really eat. I do like a green pepper and uh, mushroom pizza, but when you can't eat cheese or bread, what, do you get, what kind of pizza are you going to have? And then it says a baker's yeast. I guess that's anything bread-related. And then a brewer's yeast, which to me says beer, which I also... Don't drink. But if I've been allergic to this stuff, one time I had this terrible breakout on my forehead. I mean, like, like, ugh, like, I couldn't get into the dermatologist. The dermatologist was like, oh, you got to set an appointment for three or four weeks. Set one for next year. And I was like, I was like, dude, I got some stuff going on on my forehead. And they were like, we can't help you. And so I finally talked to a doctor into letting me in. They were like, all right, we can let you see the doctor's assistant. And I said, all right, fine. And I had like a bowl cut so you couldn't see my forehead. Actually, my friend that worked with me, it was T-Mike, who I just mentioned earlier. T-Mike saw it only in glimpses because my hair covered it. He thought that I had a birthmark. He was like, oh, that must be a birthmark and that Dusty always wears his hair like that to cover it up. And that's how bad it looked. I mean, the whole half of my forehead was red. How long did you have it for? I don't know. It, it progressively got worse. So it wasn't in its worst state I probably had for about a week. But it, it was growing that way. It would just started off like little pimples. And then they, it's just like the pimples grew together as one giant red puffy. <sighs> it was so gross. You, and, still, you can still see it. Like, I mean, no one can see it, but I can see like the, you have like a scar tissue kind of. It's just sort of different on your forehead yeah. in that spot. I mean, it was... It was. It got pretty painful. So I went to the doctor to see the doctor's assistant, and she came in and she was like, "All right, so you got something going on with your forehead?" And I said, "Yeah." And I lifted my hair off my forehead, and she goes, "Okay, let me go get the doctor." <laughs> and then the doctor comes in and he goes, "All right, let me get you to a dermatologist." And so I got to a dermatologist that day, and they gave me, you know, they gave me some medicine. That immediately, like within a couple of days, it went away. But I asked them at that place, you know, I said, hey, I drink a lot and I eat terrible. Should I change my diet at all? They were like, nah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, okay, okay then. And now looking back, I'm like, that definitely was probably it. I mean, probably all the drinking and all the pesticide sales. Um, But I, um, 
so that's where I'm at. So I'm doing what's called like a you know a detox for 15 days, where it hopefully jump starts my digestive system, and then I can slowly try to add some of these things back in and see if my body reacts better to them. I think the problem is dairy and uh, bread. Now, because I don't eat a ton of that anyway, I do eat a bit of bread. I love bread, but um, who doesn't like bread? Right, but dairy and bread is pizza, and I'm I love pizza. So, but we haven't been eating pizza for a long time now. No, because I've been, yeah. I mean, the last couple of times I had pizza, I felt like it made me sick, and uh, so I really kind of cut it out. I had a pizza when my mom was here. You remember that? And then me and her both got sick. Yeah. And then I had pizza in L.A. the last time. Actually, the blood type diet had me. Now I was taking a little bit of my own liberties, but it had me believing that bread was okay for me, but I had to cut out a lot of other things. So I went to one dinner in L.A., and I had like a loaf of bread. I was feeling so good, and I had like a loaf of bread, and then the next day I had a pizza. and Oh, well, that's what happened. I went downhill fast. Yeah, you did. And then after I was in Des Moines, I had, a, I had some, some pasta. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I was a little worried. I did that John Chris show on a Monday, and that day we left early. Yeah. I was contemplating going to the hospital. I was like, I was not feeling good. And I feel much better now. I mean, I feel like tip-top. I mean, actually, adding some meat back in is giving me new life, new new vitalization, and I feel good. Revitalization. Revitalization, yes. I well, feel that's good. good. I'm... I hate that you don't tell me when you don't feel well because that's the first time I'm hearing that you felt that bad. I mean, I knew you didn't feel good after that John Chris show, but you knew how bad I felt. Well, I, I did, but it's you didn't. If you had told me at that time, I think I'm gonna die, then I'd be like, "Well, let's go to the doctor right now." Right, and then we would have spent a lot of money. I mean, I tell you, I think I'm gonna die about once a week. Yeah, but yeah, if I tell you that I feel that way, then we go to the emergency room and then we're in debt again. Yeah. It's a really tyrannical healthcare system in your country. It really is. I mean, it, the healthcare system is bad, and I, not even in a political sense. It's like um, I don't need people to give me free healthcare. I just need it to be tremendously cheaper. I also think if there was more health education and food education, there wouldn't be so many obese people, and a lot of the problems that people get could be preventative. Also, if they weren't just weren't allowed to feed us poison. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If there was more education and they weren't allowed to feed us these things, you wouldn't even you would still need good health care, but you wouldn't need it as badly as America needs it right now because people would just be living healthier lives. My sister told me that this guy, I forget what country it was, said he went to he was so sick, he was felt like he was dying and he moved to this country. And he started eating their food, and he got better right away. Yeah. And every time he visits his family in America and starts eating the food, he gets sick again. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I didn't even start eating salt until I came down here. You really got me into salt. I mean, salt's great, but I just didn't get, I wasn't raised with salt on food. Well, I don't think that's Canada, though. I think that's your dad. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it's wild out there. So here we go. This is uh, this is week eleven. Advice, advice coming. Of of the, I'm going to keep it going. Week eleven. But you know how to become a comic. That series. That part's done. But this is uh, this. I so said week eleven. Staying positive. 
about your comedy career. Now, I read, I wrote this a couple of weeks ago. I wrote this before I even did week 10. So I don't know. I don't remember what I wrote. But so, Hannah, uh, be with me on this. Okay. And uh, see what you think about this. All right. I think staying positive starts with everyday things. I think it starts with perspective and gratefulness and willingness to help and be helped. Yeah, absolutely. Perspective. For me, a positive perspective is easy. I used to have a job I didn't really enjoy, but I did it for the money, and then I relied on the money to make me happy. Now, after figuring out how to need less money, I found a job I liked doing, and the money didn't matter because it was the job itself that made me happy, not the financial aspect. Obviously, money is important, but if you're working hard and always improving, the money will come. This perspective allows me to weigh things out. I used to get uh, fussed at every day by someone in Lowe's or Home Depot or my own boss. So when I walk out on stage and there's only 10 people in the audience, I can say, well, at least I'm not, at least it's not my old job. And then I use the small audience as an opportunity to get better at what I love doing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That's often why I think comedy can be difficult for a young stand-up, because they don't know what it is like to have a real job. Everyone's experience is different, but having a good perspective is very important to your own happiness, and that will help you stay positive even when things seem bad. Knowing that it could always be worse, not just knowing that expression, but knowing that it actually could be worse. I think everybody knows the expression, well, it could be worse, right? But... Not everyone actually knows what that means. Right. That's why I I have a weak constitution as a comedian because I started working as an actress when I was 22, 23. So I have very little work-world experience. So every time, you know, in my late 20s, I'd be like, why didn't I get this? Why didn't I get this? It's like, uh, yeah, like, just figure it out, Hannah, because you've been a spoiled actress since you were 20. So... I mean, how would you feel if you had to go, you know, push some fries at McDonald's or something like that? Right. And it's um, and I think that that happened to me. I mean, I think I got that perspective as well. Like when I was a younger guy, I started doing comedy and I was like, oh, and then I got, you know, it didn't go so well a couple of times and I couldn't see the benefit of continuing to do this. I was like, why am I even doing this to myself? I have a job. So I went back to that job and I and I worked that job for a while and then I was like, okay, now I have new perspective. Mm-hmm. All right. So gratefulness. Get in a habit of thanking people for things. No one owes you anything, no matter how talented you are. Just be thankful for the opportunities. Being thankful helps keep the bitterness away. Being thankful also helps make other people feel good. When I let someone into traffic and they don't give me uh, give me a thank you wave, I immediately regret letting them into traffic. And when I hold the door for someone and they don't say thank you, it ruins my perspective of that person. I don't hate them, but it, it but it doesn't encourage me to want to do other nice things for them. Those are small examples, but you you, you see what I mean there. Yeah, and I'll just say something quickly on gratitude because I've been really um, meditating on gratitude and kind of trying to understand what that means. Like, is it a feeling? Is it a thought? Is it an action? And right now, I think that it's an an action to just actually remind yourself 
to be grateful because I think it's so easy to just not even get into that mindset. But if you if you get into that mindset where you start to recognize all of the amazing things that you do have and that you are blessed with, then then you start to say thank you more, <clears throat> even if you don't feel like it. Or even if you don't even feel that kind of warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart, like, I'm so grateful. Everything's great. Like, gratitude doesn't have to be a warm, fuzzy feeling. It just has to be an acknowledgement that you've been granted an opportunity or that something has befallen you that has helped you in some way. Right. Absolutely. So if someone books you on a show, say thank you. Even if it's a terrible gig and you are above it, just say thank you or I appreciate you having me on the show. It will not hurt you, and it will make that person feel good. If it's a terrible show, you don't have to do it again. The more you say thank you, the more you will begin to appreciate things, and the better your perspective will be. A bad show, um, uh, not as bad as my old job. Oh, this would be me saying this to myself. A bad show, not as bad as my old job. To the booker, it's, you know, thanks for having me. Does that make sense? I drew a little diagram here, and I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if you're even making a meager living as a stand-up comedian, you still don't have a Monday to Friday day job. And if you're just starting to work more as a comedian, you're still farther ahead than most open mic comics. So be grateful for that. Yeah. All right. And then to help and be helped. Let's start with the willingness to be helped. Um Um, I don't know. I, I, I wrote something here that doesn't really make sense. Uh, but I am open to hearing tags and ideas. I, I always say that I am open to hearing tags and ideas. And I am open. Uh, just don't get upset if I don't use them. And don't try to take credit if I do. You know what I mean? Like if you give me an idea and then I use it, don't don't come around me every day going, hey, you, you like that joke I gave you? Right? <laughs> you like that joke? And then don't get mad if I don't use it. Um if you give an idea, then that's what you did, is give. Uh, are you the type of person that can hear an idea or a critique? If not, I think it's a good idea to work on yourself in that way. Sometimes if you've been looking for something for a while and can't find it, and you ask a new person to help and they find it right away because they are seeing it with fresh eyes. That tag from an audience member or open micer or your best friend could be just the tag the joke needs. I suggest being the kind of person who is open to ideas. Find a writing partner who can be honest with you. The quest is to get better. If you can't do it on your own, accept help. Offering help, I find that always being willing to help is a good practice. But I think having a good approach... Oh, gosh. What am I writing here? I'm just reading my own writing here, but I... I said, but I think having a good approach is funny, but I don't think that's what I mean there. Well, just be grateful that you're able to write. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I am grateful. Some people don't have any penmanship at all. But having a good approach is important. Like if you see a lady loading potting soil into her car and you want to help, don't say, do you need help? You can say, can I give you a hand? Uh, Do you mind if I give you a hand? In the same way, don't act like you're coming to rescue someone's jokes. Try saying, "I really enjoyed your set. I thought a couple of tags you might I thought of a couple of tags you might like, and then hand it to them on paper and then don't expect them to use it." Does that make sense? Yeah. Because it's like people 
Uh, I feel like especially, you know, certain people are very sensitive to receiving jokes from other people. Um, the, the, the term mansplained goes around a lot right now, right? So if you're a man and you're approaching a, a female comic at a, at a thing, you go, let me tell you how to write that joke. You know, you're, it's not going to be received well. But if you're coming from a good, genuine place and you say, hey, I really like that joke, um, wh- while you were telling it, just a couple of ideas came into my mind. And I wrote them down for you. I just want to give them to you. If you want them, cool. If not, no big deal. Yeah, and women, like... Men do this all the time and give each other tags and jokes. They're not condescending to you if they're trying to give you advice. I mean, this is just a part of being a comic. Right, and they they could be at times, but most cases, they are not. I mean, most cases, people are just trying to share ideas. Yeah, but if if your eye always sees darkness, that's what you're going to always see. So just don't expect people are always trying to you know one up you right just, and it, just assume the the best of people and just back to a, a point i said before if you are that person that's giving the tag or giving the advice don't come back later and try to take credit for yourself don't be like yeah i wrote that joke you already said that i know i know but i'm just now that we've made this point i mean just remember to be that person um uh and then um it's building community, people hearing, people helping people. Also, if you're bombing all the time, no one wants your tags. Give it some time. Does that make sense? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're the worst person yeah. on every lineup, <laughs> yeah. no one's going to be like, you know what? He can't, he can't perform or deliver, but man, his writing yeah. is strong. Even if your tags are good, like start getting last before helping. But I think practicing these things will make you a positive person, and positivity will help keep the bitterness away. Because long stretches on the road with low pay, low attendance, and working with other bitter and jaded comics can really bring you down if you let it. This will also help you to not blame the audience or attack the audience. Sometimes it is the audience. Sometimes it is. Never blame them from the stage unless you can make it funny. If it's funny, it can break the audience and open them up to you. If it isn't funny, then you're likely to further lose them. If you get into a habit of blaming the audience off the stage, then you will begin to never take accountability for your own failures, and therefore, you will never improve. When I work a weekend of shows, if my first set doesn't go the way I want it to, I adjust it. Uh, I rearrange it. Uh, I'll do it until it's a success. I like to take a look at the audience, and I try to start with what I think will work best. Remember, it's your job to entertain the audience. The audience didn't buy a ticket to be forced to adjust to some weird thing that you think people are too stupid to understand. Always be striving to be the best that you can be. I always say never attack the audience because unless it's funny, you're just going to look weak and If you're on a showcase, then you will likely ruin the audience for everyone else. Because me personally, I like a showcase with a bad audience. Yeah, it's like, you know, if you're out for dinner on a date and you sit down and immediately the server is a hot mess. Like, Oh, let me just finish this because that sentence didn't make sense. I'm almost done. Sorry. Uh, I like a showcase with a bad audience. Five, ten minutes to see if I can get the audience from bad to good. I like the challenge. This is how I stay positive, and it will be important for you to stay positive on your comedy journey. That's it. That's it. I didn't mean to cut you off. Say you're on a dinner, 
All right, so you're on a dinner, and um, immediately the server's a hot mess. She spills water on you. Uh, imagine the guy you're out on a date with immediately is like, I want to get a new waiter right now. This this woman is just terrible. You're an idiot. And he just immediately goes into scolding the server. Whereas, okay, he doesn't say anything right away. He says, it's okay. And then the waitress comes back and takes, you know, 15 minutes to take your order. And then the appetizers don't come out. And then the food comes out. And it's the wrong order. And then, you know, she she smells like B.O. And then, you know, she messes up your check and overcharges you. If at the end of all that, then your date politely says, you know what, this really was bad service. Um, I would like some sort of discount or I, I would just like some sort of recompense for, for what's happened. That makes more sense and you respect your date for being polite and patient with, you know, clearly bad behavior. But if, if your date just immediately goes into attacking her character and making a scene, it's embarrassing and, and it doesn't it makes him look bad. And that's what I think it, it's like dealing with a heckler. If if they're loud once and you immediately just say awful things to them and try to be mean to them, it's the audience feels like it's too much and everybody in the room is like, "That's you went in way too far." But if the audience watches this person in the, in their audience continue over time to just be brutal and get time and time again to to make up for their mistake, and they still don't, then you go after them. Then it's like, okay, finally, now we now we'll accept this this uh, aggression. Yes, and also sometimes in that same analogy of a of a bad waitress. Uh, could be like a bad showcase. At the end of the meal, you know it was terrible, everything sucked, but you're like, you know what, I'm just tipping 20% because this person probably needs it, Yeah. and I'm going to exit this. That's like doing a terrible showcase and then walking off stage, finding the booker and going, hey, thanks for booking me on this show, and then getting out of there, and never doing that show again. That's what, that's, that's what I, that's the philosophy I live by, is it's like, I'll do showcases, and I'm not going to get mad at you if they're terrible, but I'm probably not going to do it again. I don't have – at this point, I don't have time to do people's terrible showcases. If it's fun, I want to do it. I mean, like we drove up to Louisville and did that basement show, you know. I don't – I didn't need to do that. I mean, but I, I wanted to because I like doing fun shows, you know. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. I mean, I like doing fun, weird things, and the more I do clubs, the more um, the more those fun, weird shows are, are are interesting to me. But if it's bad, it's not worth my time. I don't want to do it, but I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm just never going to do it again. Are we having a good time? Yeah, let's wrap it up, though. Well, we are about done, and uh, thank you, guys. And I want to put this out there that I am open now to talking about I want to keep talking about comedy I've really enjoyed this I've really enjoyed writing about it I think it's helpful for me to write it and I and to, and to think it and to go through that stuff so if there's something about comedy that you want to hear me talk about even if it's not advice necessarily but it's just something like I want to keep the conversation of talking comedy going uh, I may get into some stories I had some people a couple people send me stories and I may get into reading some of those, but I really enjoy talking comedy, and and I want to keep talking about it. And I want to thank everybody for doing uh, the contest at the Grove. Um, 
with Bill and Hannah. I appreciate that. I hope you got something out of it. And uh, also, uh, oh, I want to, I'm about to wrap this up, but I did a show on Tuesday with my friend Kiefer Thompson at uh, Zany's Nashville. Uh, It's really a show idea that I've had for a long time. I've really wanted to do something like this for a while. But it's just a, a combination of country music and comedy. And we had... Uh, you know, local local guys, uh, Johnny W. and Patrick Devine come out, and then, uh, and I don't mean it local in any other way than than com- they're just comics that live here in town. And then, um, and then we had musicians come, uh, like songwriters, Nashville songwriters, come out and you know play their funny songs, play a hit that they wrote, and then play a funny song. and And I really enjoyed it. I I thought it was a, a fun time, and uh, I thought it was great. Great, and uh, we and I apologize for being a day late on the podcast. As I said, we got we got caught up in some things, but uh, appreciate you guys tuning in and let me know, uh, DustySlayComedy at gmail Let me know what you'd like to hear me talk about, and let me know what you've liked about the podcast. Has this pod? Some pe- a lot of people have reached out to me and told me that the podcast has been helpful to them, and I really appreciate that because that's what I want this to be. And I want this to be helpful. I want this to, uh, you know, because, you know, actually in the end, my views did go up uh, because of what I did. But it's not about the views for me. It's about actually having some information that matters. There's a ton of podcasts that you can listen to and just have fun and laugh and stuff like that. But I don't want a super jokey podcast. I want to uh, talk about some stuff. So, all right. Thank you guys for tuning in. We're having a good time.